Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, guys? And welcome to a very different episode of the College Info Geek Podcast. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm sitting here with my friend Sarah Dici. I've been watching your stuff on YouTube for a couple of years now, ever since you put out your uh, Casey Neistat mm-hmm. video. And I've been a fan ever since. And I knew you had a podcast. And I was coming to New York, so I was like, Why not resurrect the interview format of the podcast? But we're doing it a little bit differently. This is actually part two of a two-part conversation because we are figuring what's the best way to get people to listen to both podcast Mm -hmm. episodes and both podcasts. Clearly just make it a cliffhanger. Exactly. So we're going to talk about how Sarah became part of the Adobe residence program, how she dropped out of college actually, and how you became a full-time YouTuber, how you actually make money. All kinds of stuff. We're also going to talk about my cold email to her and how that <laughs> ended up working out pretty well. Uh, but if you have not watched or listened to part one of this interview yet, it's over on the Creative Exchange, your podcast. So there's going to be a link in the show notes for this episode, or you can just go over to cigpodcast.com slash Sarah. That's S-A-R-A. No Hold H. H. Hold the H. <laughs> Listen to that because we're literally just going to cut at the halfway mark, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to cut from here with a nice little fade and go straight into wherever that picked up. So you're not going to know what we were talking about, <laughs> whatever it was, unless you go listen to part one first. So do that and then enjoy this episode. For the benefit of my podcast, since we have <laughs> lots of students, I want to get a little more of your story. Mm-hmm. So I know you dropped out. What I'm actually curious about is how you got involved in the Adobe Residence Program. Mm-hmm and what that was, and then how you kind of used your experience there to build a solo career. So the Adobe Creative Residency is a year where you can just pursue your passion projects. So um, it's important that you use the Adobe products because that's kind of the reason why they started it. Yeah. But it's it's an amazing program. So I got in at year two. So it's a it's a fairly new program. So they have filmmakers. And they're still doing it? Yes, yeah. Okay. So they have filmmakers, designers, photographers, anything that has to do with the Adobe Creative Suite. So Premiere, Photoshop, Lightroom. They have so yeah. many creative tools that can, you know, that you can create with that it is very easy to uh, really incorporate that into your workflow. And so I switched over to Premiere the moment Final Cut 7 died with oh, Final yeah. Cut 10. <laughs> Why, Apple? Why did you do that? Um, so I switched to Premiere and I loved it, got into the ecosystem, used Photoshop Lightroom. And I discovered the Adobe Creative Residency when I went to the Adobe Max conference in LA the oh. year of 2015. Okay. So I've been there. Yeah, it's it's so fun, right? Yeah. Um, when I was in college and I was hating life doing computer science and electrical engineering, I kind of made a vow to myself that 
if this isn't what I'm going to do, then you better bust your butt figuring out what you want to do in yeah. life, you know? So whenever I wasn't in school, I was going to conferences on the weekend. And Adobe Max has a college price. So the ticket was only $300. I knew I had friends in LA that I could stay with. And mm-hmm. I knew they always gave away a big like piece of tech. So the year before, they gave out Microsoft Surface Pros. Uh, the, wow. Yeah, the year I went, they gave out a Fujifilm XTI camera. So I knew that I could just go and flip that on eBay and pay for my plane ticket and my conference Wait, ticket. Wait, like you were guaranteed to get it? You weren't guaranteed. So okay. they'll probably hate me for, for saying this because I'm pretty <laughs> sure last year they didn't have anything. Okay. But usually they try to partner with a company to get a huge amount of product for super cheap because gotcha. hey, you're it's being put in the hands of the most creative people ever. Right. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. So the year I went, I lucked out and they gave away a thousand dollar camera. So I flipped nice. it on eBay and I paid for my ticket and I paid for my uh, uh, plane ticket. Any Adobe so, reps listening to this, just respect the hustle. Yeah, man, it's the hustle, right? <laughs> and so I, I was very scrappy like that during college where yeah. I was like, if there was a conference, if there is any opportunity to like figure out what I want to do with my creative life, I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. So October 2015, I think, was when the conference was. And the first session that I went to was for Becky Simpson. She's an amazing... Oh, I know her. Yeah, do you know her? Yeah. I'm obsessed with her. I met her in 2012 when oh, no I went way. to Austin. Small world. I know, right? Small world. Yeah. She's so fun. She actually like, went to Iowa State. Oh my God. Yep. Shout out to <laughs> Becky. Um, so I went to her session because mm-hmm. like, I know about video editing. So I was like, let's learn about book publishing. Yeah. I want to make a coffee table book one day. So that's how I found myself in her session. And the first five minutes, she was talking about how she was a new Adobe Creative resident. And it was the first year of this new program, and it's so exciting. She, you know, she gets to pursue her passion projects and publish this new book, and Adobe's supporting her financially. You get a one-year annual salary. So it's basically like you're working for Adobe with an Adobe salary, but hey, you get to choose what you do. Amazing, That's right? That's awesome, yeah. So when she was talking about that in her session, my jaw just like dropped, I was like, what? <laughs> so in my brain, I was like, this is my ticket out of college. Like yeah. this is going to help establish me as a content creator, a video maker, a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And so her, you knew before going into the residency that that's what you wanted to do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that well, what I kind of figured it the... out during that time. Okay. I, uh, during, I was really pushing myself on YouTube. So at this yeah. time in college, I was posting at least one video a week. And that was a lot for someone who was up till midnight, 1 a.m. doing computer science homework. Yeah. And so were these I, vlogs back then, or were they? Yeah, um, unboxings, travel. I was doing my docu series, Creative Spaces TV. That was mm-hmm. taking the most time. Um, and so during that time, I was, I was like, okay, YouTube, this can be a thing. Like, I got three thousand subscribers. Watch out, world. <laughs> <laughs> Here Sarah comes. In hindsight, I was crazy. Um, but so she had just gotten the residency. She was only three months into it. Mm -hmm. But in my brain, I was like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this next year. This is how I say goodbye to college. So (laughs) very shortly after that conference, I straight up dropped out of college 
even though applications didn't open up for another like seven months. Really? So you just dropped out <laughs> yeah. and didn't have anything to do? Yeah. But at the same time, I was like working with a local production company in Nashville okay. to be the video person to go do boring corporate edits and filming. So, you know, there, there was slow streams of like $300 here, $500 here of like, I can pay my cheap Nashville rent with it. Um, so I knew that I could survive with my PB&J diet and my production company thing being the video person. I could survive like that for a couple of years if I had to. Yeah. But kind of fate just happened um, because I, during, during that time of dropping out and preparing to apply for the residency, I was just making so much stuff and I was doing anything that I possibly could and at the conference I you know I shook the hands I said hi to Becky she introduced me to a community manager at Adobe Mm -hmm. I later was shooting a recap video for Adobe at a conference okay and so I kind of like weaseled my way in yeah something about Adobe is like the people that work there actually enjoy working there so Mm -hmm. it's it's a really cool environment and the people who are involved are just the coolest people ever. It's the vibe I got too. Yeah, I, got to I, tour I their like office one year. I love them dearly. The smart job making me a resident because I'm I'm like a uh, what do they call <laughs> now it? Now you're an ambassador. Yes, much. I will be an yep. Adobe ambassador for life. Do you know the the tough thing you said like I hate Facebook earlier. I mm-hmm. went to their offices yesterday and they were so cool and I now feel like I I'm gonna be the same. Really? Their production team, they were so nerdy about the gear and everything. Yeah. They were so nice. And I was just like, I, I yeah. can't be mad. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of how that started. So, when I applied, they knew who I was. They were right. familiar. And it was so funny because um, right before applications opened, uh, and let me back up a little bit. So I actually, I was doing this Creative Spaces TV docu-series and I was mm-hmm. documenting uh, the creative process. And so I went up to Becky after a session. I was like, I would love to do an episode with you. Let's do it. Yeah. So I became friends with her too. So as okay. the residency rolled around the second year application, she texted me maybe a couple weeks before. And she was like, hey, Sarah, I don't know if you were thinking about it, but you should definitely apply for the residency. I would love to put a word in. <laughs> and like low key, I was planning for like seven months. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, yeah, I Becky. Like, I, I could think about I that. I could think about that. <laughs> and so when the applications opened, I was like, bam, bam, bam. This is what I've been, been doing on YouTube for the past mm-hmm. year. This is what I want to do for the next year. And to them, it was a very uh, like attractive case because I had about 3,000 subscribers. I was doing it for a while Mm -hmm. and I a lot of what I was doing was dependent on sharing the process so yes I would create and make this piece of art but then I showed the behind the scenes so that was really exciting for them because that's where they thrive in the behind the scenes how did I do this Adobe Premiere hacks oh cool and so uh, they accepted me um, but basically on the trip to San Francisco when I was doing the final interviews for it, I, because I had the consistency and when I dropped out, I was like two videos every single week, like every single week. Yeah. And I had this thing where I would post one for me and like one with the intention of reaching beyond my audience. Mm. And so that video that happened to be the, with the intention of reaching outside my audience was the Casey Neistat video. So that was made with intent. Exactly. Okay. I, that, I get the feeling that like a lot of viral videos, like there's something behind it. Exactly. And that's why at the end of the video, I was like, tweet Casey this video with the <laughs> hashtag 
this, you know, whatever the hashtag was. And so that video went viral. Mm -hmm. I was in the final interviews and it was so funny because so many people think that that's the reason why I got the residency, but it was the almost the reason why I didn't get it. Really? I remember one of the people who was interviewing me kind of like walked in and was kind of like making fun of the, not making fun of, but making light of the video and mm-hmm. was kind of like making fun of Casey and uh, talked about that and asked me if I even wanted the residency. Basically it was like, hey, you have this really? huge audience now. Do you really need Adobe? And I was like, oh my God, yes. I don't know how to make money off of this thing. Are you kidding me? And I'll delete it if I have. Yes, yes. I'm like, yes, I still need it. Mm. And so that enabled me to have an entire year to just focus on creating. That was my only task was to create and share yeah. the process and build uh, my YouTube channel. And that's now the basis of what I do for a job. It's kind of like so, your home base yeah. uh, in terms of your business. Yes. It seems that way. Yes. Did they have like a posting schedule? Like you had to make one thing a week or what was it? No, so basically with a residency, you develop a project and that's what you work towards. And that project was basically doing a final season of Creative Spaces TV, which is my docu-series mm-hmm. that goes into a, a creator studio, shows how you do what you do and where you do it. Do they have like a, do you have to like post once a week or something like that? The thing about the residency was you have your project and that was it. So uh, anything that helps you create your project, that's your priority. Okay. So of course I had certain standards I wanted to post. During that time I was daily vlogging, which killed me. Well, you were daily vlogging and posting and, doing and working towards a final creative season. Spaces thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was brutal. But yeah. I think I needed that time to really figure out that I wasn't a daily vlogger. Okay. Of course, I figured that out on Adobe's dime, which was great. But I also, I also had you know a season of Creative Space TV is really good. Mm -hmm. It was a, a, I was proud of it. You know, I I remember watching some of those, and I was like. (laughs) I wish Sarah would come film my room. <laughs> <laughs> I could come film. Sounds like you have a cool operation I do have going. a pretty, pretty cool space. Yeah, maybe we'll have to bring it back. That would be fun. If it does ever come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was proud of it, but I also wanted to try out daily vlogging, and yeah. it killed me. So I figured out that that wasn't for me during that time, which was mm-hmm. really good. But having that pressure, even though they weren't down my neck saying, oh, you have to post this, blah, blah, blah. Having that pressure that really helped me to just go full throttle with everything. Yeah. And because I was like, okay, I want to come out of this year with the ability to show that, oh my gosh, I did this, this, and this, isn't that cool? But at the same time, you're also traveling a lot, so you're doing speaking engagements. So when you start traveling, that's when that really, it it gets harder, right? To do the editing that you need to do, to do the just Mm -hmm. like logistics that it takes to do content creation. I've got a video that's supposed to come out today. There you go. I'm traveling, so it's not. (laughs) Exactly. So that was one of the biggest hurdles was kind of juggling all those things. Mm -hmm. But I had the perspective of this is, you know, I'm never going to get an opportunity like this ever again. So if I don't need to sleep, that's okay. It's only a year. (laughs) But yeah, it it, it really helped me set up Mm -hmm. me as a creator, as a business to where I can do it full time now today. I love how, and I want to get into how it became full-time, but I love how you talked about how you sort of like, quote unquote, weaseled your way Mm -hmm. into maybe having a better chance at getting into the residency program. I think a lot of students don't consider that. 
they don't consider what maybe building a relationship could do before something like that comes up. I got a scholarship in college and I'm 100% sure the reason I, that I was picked for that scholarship is that I had spent time building relationships with some of the people who just ended up being on the committee. And relationships you know, I think are huge. I, I think I had a good application, but when I'm sure when they were picking out those applications, they were like, oh, this is that guy who's been to every career fair and who came yeah. to our networking sessions at the company and who spent time talking to us and asking questions about our internship program. Mm -hmm. It's not just a random person. Have you ever heard about like the term, the short stack? Mm -mm. So like in, in hiring or recruiting circles, there's the idea of like the big stack, which is just all the resumes that came from monster.com yeah. or that were dropped in the, uh, the mailbox. And then the short stack is everybody who was recommended by someone who already works there hmm. or just somebody who just comes to mind in the recruiting manager's head for one reason or the other. You're the person who got introduced by somebody who's already in the program. So whether it's like fair or not, you come to mind and they're just going to, they're going to want to accept you. And there's always, and, and that's the thing. Some people have that mindset of, oh, like that, I don't have to put in that extra work. Everyone's doing this, mm -hmm. but there's always someone doing the extra mile. Yep. And if you're not doing it, that means someone else is doing it. Yeah. So that was kind of with, with that and just with everything in life, I have always benefited so much for just like going that extra mile and also having the mindset. And I'm like a big believer in speaking things into motion. Mm -hmm. So I'm someone that like from the moment I heard about that residency, I was like, I am getting that. This is how I'm going to get it. I put specific I things on paper. You put in work that other people are going to put in. And I think that's really important. Uh, I had a lot of friends in college who were just like, why can't I just fill out the application on Monster and just put it in there? Do you want an average life? Well, that's what yeah. you do. Yeah, do the average thing, <laughs> you know? And it, like what you said, there's someone who's going to go the extra mile. So it might as well be you. And I, I have a lot of friends who are just like, well, what if I do that and I put in all this effort and they don't pick me? That's likely to happen. Mm -hmm. It's like still unlikely that you're gonna be one out of 300, but it's it gets more and more likely the more and more work you put in. Mm -hmm. So why not? Exactly, why not? Those are kind of, you know, it's just something that I live by. And mm -hmm. it's weird to also, like the YouTube world and the world we're in, no matter who we're sponsoring with or whatever, we still have, a really good amount of control with our content. And that's yeah. why I love YouTube. And that's why I love being, you know, like an independent content creator. Mm -hmm. But once you get into the world, whether it's like Hollywood or just the traditional world of entertainment, it shifts so much. Like I, I went to a proper audition recently. Oh yeah. For a movie or for, for a, like a hosting of a TV show, oh, okay. which I love hosting. I love interviewing people. I love telling a story through kind of like docu-series stuff. But this would be more for like a show type mm -hmm. thing. And I went through the whole audition process. I basically wore exactly what all these other models were wearing, you know? Like my shtick was definitely the, oh, personality, knows how, like could maybe fulfill more of a role of producer and also yeah. like be a friendly host. I wasn't like the bombshell beauty that everyone else was. Mm. Um, but it was a very interesting experience because they don't care about your time. They don't care that you're one of 1,000 people. 
and it's like oh can you oh we move the time of audition oh audition here and oh we have callbacks here but you need to wear this this and that and remember these lines and oh bring us a book of photos and blah 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 blah. and like oh you didn't get it oh hey guess what there's callbacks again and it's just like it's such a mess and you're like so not in control of those circumstances and so like that was such a good moment of just like thankful thankfulness of what I get to do every day yeah and because there's so many things and whether it's like a a nine to five you know you're at the mercy of your boss or the hiring process if you can make this independent content creator like an actual job it's so cool because yes you might have like long hours because you love what you're doing but you're fully in control Mm -hmm. of your life you're fully in control of your creativity and like that's the coolest thing ever yeah the, the fact that you can make ever. a living doing yeah. 100% what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there are considerations for your audience and the platform, mm-hmm. but it's there's nobody else telling you, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're you need completely to go con- wear a different shirt. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. How have you made it a full-time career for yourself? I think one, it started with the journey from 2012 to 2016. And <laughs> that was the journey of zero subscribers to 3,000 subscribers, which I think is sometimes a more interesting story than 3,000 to Mm 100,000 because that was really the time when I was just posting videos because I love to post videos. So I think my always unfair advantage is that I love editing first. I think mm. I'm a, I'm a storyteller in the edit and I know how to tell stories. It's not that I love quilting and I have to come up with like cool video content around quilting. I love telling stories through video. So yeah. that was something that when I saw YouTube, I was like, oh, this actually plays into my favor. Like I love making videos for video's sake and I have all these different passions. And right. so that started with traveling. I really enjoyed traveling in high school and college. and. I was going to like Greece and Iceland and basically every penny that I earned from babysitting or guitar lessons or anything like that, I stayed at home with my parents for college. Okay. So every single thing, every single penny I earned went back into travel. So you were like hustling Yeah. early on, guitar lessons, all the babysitting. Okay. I was like basketball refereeing when... So when I was in sixth grade, I was refereeing sixth grade girls basketball. (laughs) And it started as something that was just like fun and oh, this could be a job one day because they couldn't pay me. I was like, what, 12? Yeah. Like you can't pay a 12 year old. You can't put a 12 year old on a payroll. Mm -hmm. Um, But it started as a thing like, oh, I really like this job one day. So I'm gonna like do it until you can pay me. So I started (laughs) basketball refereeing and I was always babysitting. Like babysitting? It's good money. It's really good money and mm-hmm. I love kids. And once that that was a thing and I had like three babysitting gigs a weekend, I was like rolling, you know? And that's, you know, I, I grew up in very like middle America, uh, uh, you know, why am I, I, I don't know the word for low, like middle, middle class. Middle class or- yeah. Very classic, just in the burbs, middle mm-hmm. class. My dad had a job, my mom stayed at home. And, you know, one of the biggest blessings growing up was like, I never had to worry about a roof over my head or food on the table. And that's something that I'm so grateful for what my parents gave me because Mm -hmm. when it came to, oh, I want a new guitar to play guitar or, oh, I want that camera. You know, my parents would always be like, sick, guess what? You have time, you go work. Yep. And you can go like (laughs) 
earn that. That's exciting. Yeah, it's go so play. valuable. Yeah, and that was probably one of those valuable things that I learned from them was um, like one, I had the time to go do that because you know I wasn't worried about working just to like eat. Um, but two, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They associated working with getting something. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I learned very early on. So, you know, I, babysitting was probably my first job. And then it was, okay. I was always doing that. That was the underlying theme. Babysitting, basketball and soccer refereeing. I was a hostess at <laughs> um, Original Pancake House. But that was my only uh, clock in, clock out job. Most, really? Yeah. Okay. Most of my jobs were, what do I like to do? And like, who's going to pay me to do them? So like I, pseudo entrepreneurship. Exactly. Yep. So I loved kids. So mm -hmm. I was like big on that. Um, guitar lessons. Once I became a certain, like, you know, I was good at guitar. I was like, oh, okay. People want lessons. So I gave guitar lessons and stuff like that. And that's how I really like funded one, all of my guitar gear. Cause I was yeah. very into guitar and it's funny because because I invested in all this guitar gear in high school, that's what allowed me to flip that for um, camera gear. <laughs> so nice. I, okay. I realized that I wasn't going to go on tour and be Taylor Swift's guitar player. So I was like, okay, well, I have, I have like $5,000 worth of guitar equipment. Yeah. Let's sell that and buy some video equipment. So that's really what led me to that like having the proper tools mm -hmm. to do that. And so, you know, from zero to 3000 subscribers, I was just making anything, everything and sharing the process along the way, you know, Oh, I got a new Canon 70 D guys. Let's unbox this thing. Yeah. So yeah, I got my first camera through flipping stuff. Yeah. GameStop games. <laughs> Yo, I used to live at GameStop. Yep. Do you remember EB games? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I remember, I remember games. Yeah. One of those opened up like really close to our local GameStop. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like so judgmental because I'm like, this is like the same thing. <laughs> I was like so loyal to GameStop. Yeah. I was like, get out of here, EB Games. Are they owned by the same company or? I don't Are know. they? I, that well, would be so Well, I feel so like I, I read an article recently that was saying like GameStops and EB Games were closing stores. And I don't know if that meant it's like they're both getting hit or if they are owned by the same company. Honestly, now. they're probably both getting hit. Because like, I know who? Barnes and & Noble and GameStop were like, merged for a while and then i think they demerged a while back or something that. like that yeah what yeah it's pretty cool like i don't know a block from my house pretty much there is a combination starbucks barnes and noble gamestop and you, I bet you, that, you don't that need probably, anything else you could live that's there that's all you need you could actually live there and entertain yourself and learn stuff and yeah survive on food i was a very coffee. i was a very big <laughs> uh yeah coffee and coffee cakes that's all yep. you need I was a very big Halo player. Oh yeah? But that was the extent of my video gaming because my, my dad used to work for Microsoft. So, so he got you the Xbox Five and you could play like Halo 17 early, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I was the, you know, sometimes I felt like the cool hip drug dealer in my school. I didn't deal drugs, but I dealt games. <laughs> so basically when a new Halo came out, like I was the chick that you went and saw yeah. because my dad could get you Halo for not $60, but $25. Oh. So I was like, what Halo game do you want? If I was smart, I would charge them 35 and yep. pocket the 10, but I wasn't, I wasn't Gary V mindset back then. You weren't like, I'm selling <laughs> baseball cards yeah. at prom yeah. instead of having a date. Hashtag entrepreneur <laughs> life. <laughs> what do you think about his content strategy? Yeah. Because every time I listen to him, I feel like, oh, I'm 
I'm like failing as a business owner because mm-hmm. I didn't post 18 times on Instagram right. today and I'm not running like $5 million worth of right. Facebook ads. I think people need to remember that he has a team of like 15 people, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I owe so much of like my know-how of, I feel like business and just social media in general, like to his stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a solid year of, I was just like watching, 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 learning, learning, learning. Um, and then honestly, when I stopped watching for a solid year and I was just doing, that's when I think it helped me the most because I kind of okay. internalized the things that I needed to hear mm-hmm. and went out and did them. I think his, like content like him is not good when all you're doing is listening because yeah. then you get the FOMO. You yeah. you get that feeling of, oh, I could do so much more and oh my God, look at all the things he's doing. But then when you never back it up with action, you just get the feeling of you're a terrible person. You're mm-hmm. a terrible social media person because you're not doing all the things he's doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think with his content, you have to take it with a grain of salt and you have to, you almost have to pick and choose what's for you. Mm-hmm. Because I think it takes, it can take something six months to just actually internalize. So yeah. I think his method of repetition, it's totally valid because sometimes yeah. it does take that long to really process something. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think it gets weird when actual filmmakers, content creators, artists take his stuff too literally because the biggest thing that he says is document versus create. Right, which, which I don't know if I agree with that. No, because if you, I'm not, yes, I'm an entrepreneur, but like you're not going to find entrepreneur in my Instagram bio. Like I am a filmmaker, super pretentious. What does but it say? I, I don't know. I don't actually know what it says. Oh, no, put me on the spot. But like. It's going to say like piano. It probably says YouTuber, actually. <laughs> Mine says entrepreneur. Okay. Which that that's what I think of myself as yeah. because I just, I do too many things to right. think of myself as a YouTuber. Right. All right, let's see what yours is. Because oh, no. me, for me, I'm video first. You okay. know, like I take pride. What is it? You're a public figure. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, pretty good. that one. Yeah. I think it's oh, general the, enough. Yeah. And, and then you have YouTuber and yeah. podcaster. I honestly, entrepreneur might make more sense for that little gray area. I was That's meaning, what I have. yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, for your little, I was what meaning you for the, typed. like the bio and stuff. Okay. For bio, I did put study and productivity youtuber yeah i did put that yeah because it's like i i do videos first i would consider myself a filmmaker before an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and i am an artist like i take pride in telling a compelling story whether it's with Mm. my life or someone else's creative process and i think it's kind of dangerous to start thinking about actual art as that philosophy of his philosophy like document versus create because i think what artists have to do is like you have to synthesize everything that you're feeling what's going on in the world what do you want to put out in the world and create from that yeah and it's not just sticking a camera in someone's face and just following them around for the day Mm -hmm. that's his thing and it works and it's beneficial i love his stuff like it's beneficial to me yeah but only in the sense of like i think business and some of those things so and what, what he says and he's very open about this is he has like a shtick Mm-hmm. Like he's he's very in your face, he's very high energy, and he has a lot of knowledge from his actual business dealings that comes to the table. Yeah. And I love listening to just like them having a microphone in a business meeting and him talking with mm-hmm. a rapper about distribution. Yeah. I love that. But I wouldn't want to go to Infinity War 
and watch 15 hours of behind the scenes instead of watching the movie. Exactly. I want to watch the ridiculously polished movie that took so long to orchestrate, took Mm -hmm. a decade to plan. Like, that's amazing. So I get very motivated by Gary as well. But one thing I'll have to do is I'll go and I will look at other successful creators that aren't doing that same thing just to remind myself, okay, Mm -hmm. you can post once every other day and still you know not have your business crash and burn exactly and sure maybe you're missing out i think like that, that's the biggest thing is whether he likes it or not he's creating a lot of fomo mm-hmm. by saying we're all not doing enough mm-hmm. we're all not that's true. buying enough ads we're all not posting enough mm-hmm. and like you he's probably technically right but and he can say that because he knows that only 1% of the people listening are actually going to go and act on it. But yeah. I think as a consumer of his content, you just have to be aware of what what is like what is for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can get something from his self-aware aware spiel, mm-hmm. um, but then realize that oh, you posting on all platforms every single day, maybe that's not for you because it's not in your capacity, so don't feel bad about it. Yep, I don't have 15 people. And I'm also like, you're telling stories that take a long time to weave. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about things that take time to responsibly research. Mm -hmm. He can say, make content every day, but I mean, he's kind of saying the same thing every day too, which is helpful in one dimension, but Mm -hmm. I shouldn't do the same thing. I should be researching and doing all kinds of stuff. Exactly. This week, we have a brand new sponsor on our show. SetApp is an awesome way to try out over 120 different Mac apps for one low monthly price. Now, if you are a Mac user like I am, you know that the Mac App Store has a ton of different high-quality, well-coded, well-designed apps out there. Macs are kind of known for having a lot of really nicely designed apps, but along with that great design, along with that code quality and support comes often a pretty hefty price tag. And with a lot of these apps, there's not a good way to try them out before you buy. So if you wanna try out lots of apps like I do, then you can easily start burning through the money in your wallet at an alarming rate. But now there is a service called SetApp that solves that problem for you. Because for one low monthly price, 10 bucks a month, you can get unlimited access to these apps, as many of them as you want to use. You can download them onto your computer and use them at your leisure. And what's best, you don't have any ads, you don't have any in-app purchases, you don't have any upgrades. Every app within SetApp's catalog is upgraded and updated automatically so you can just get in and do your thing without having to worry about it at all. Now, as I said, there are over 120 different apps in their collection at this time, but I did want to give you a little bit of a taste of what you're going to find in that collection. So a few of the apps that I have used personally in the past include Flume, which is actually a uh, Instagram client that works on your Mac. And I actually use this to answer Instagram DMs from you guys when you send me questions. I can type a lot faster on my Mac than on my iPhone keyboard. So that is a great app. Uh, Mosaic is a really cool app for window management. So if you are doing research or coding and you want to arrange your windows next to each other really nicely in in an organized fashion and quickly uh, that can let you create these really cool custom profiles to do that with just a touch of a button or a short key. Uh, Unibox is an email app that CGP Grey, the host of the Hello Internet and Cortex podcasts, of which I am a huge fan, has used and really likes. And then I've talked about in the past an app called Focus, which can actually block distracting websites and applications. So 
With Setapp, you get access to all of these apps along with all the other ones in their category. Like I said, over 120, ranging from productivity apps to photography apps to software development tools, all sorts of great stuff. Over 700,000 people have already tried Setapp and you should make yourself the 700,000 and first. I think I said that right. You can get a seven day free trial by going over to, and pay attention to this URL because it's not easy to say, but it's easy to spell, stpp.co slash CIG. That is stpp.co slash CIG. And because this is a student-focused show, if you happen to have a .edu email address, you can actually get special student pricing. They have a 50% off deal for students. So when you sign up, if you sign up with that .edu email address, they're going to automatically apply that discount to your account. So once again, that is stpp.co slash CIG to give Setup a try today and try over 120 different Mac apps for all of you Mac lovers out there. And I want to give a big thanks to Setup for sponsoring this episode and being a supporter of our show. Let's get back into it. Do you have a favorite quote? Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Okay. I do have one that's relevant to this, which is why okay. I ask. Say, you, you say my, Mine is... Uh, adapt what is useful, reject what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. Bruce Lee said that. And I Amazing. think about it anytime that I listen to or watch content or read content from people that are trying to basically get me to change my life in some way hmm. or sharing their life experience. So Gary is no exception. Yeah, that's Adapting good. what is useful. I love his emphasis on empathy mm-hmm. and you know being nice to people, mm-hmm. not building a business through ruthless practices. I yeah, love that. I love the so hustle. That's so huge. But I'm also like, sleep is good. Exactly. And, and that's uh, that's something that I have found recently too with me is I had, like, I'm only 23, but I've had a really big period in my life of the hustle and grind and no sleep. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school and I was in all AP classes and I was babysitting and I was playing basketball and I was playing guitar every weekend at my church and, oh, I was also playing guitar in my other band, like, I wasn't sleeping when I was in college and I was doing computer science homework, but I was also trying to be a YouTuber. I wasn't sleeping Adobe Mm -hmm. creative residency. I wasn't sleeping. So like there is a big period of my life of the hustle and grind. Sorry. Let's just let it go. You know, like actually (laughs) I was thinking about this and I I could, I could see you getting a little distracted and then I'm like, wait a minute. I listened to Gary podcast where he's like at a a conference and people are just like having a loud party behind him and I still listen to it. By the way, if you hear like foot traffic, it's a Friday at 5 PM (laughs) and that's why we're in my office. Um, but yeah, the next person's building their dream office. That might be the thing. And when you're building your dream office, someone's trying to podcast. Yeah. Man, so I'm sorry for whoever's <laughs> going to podcast tonight because that's me tonight. Uh, but no, so there was a time in my life that, or a big time in my life, probably like eight years of my life where it was a hustle and grind and there was no sleep, mm-hmm. which is like so not healthy, right? Yep. And But I believe that life comes in phases. And if you have to only sleep five hours for maybe five years of your life to achieve your dream, freaking do it and do what you have to get there but then be conscious that like you also need to take care of your person yeah so set yourself up to where you can live a healthy life you know and so now that i feel like i'm a little bit established i i have put in certain routines and i have emphasized sleep like i get a solid seven to eight hours of sleep 
almost every night with the exception if I'm at, you know, a conference or doing something, but that means I have that energy if I do need, if, yeah. you know, so it, it's like, yes, life comes in waves. Like you have to acknowledge that sometimes periods are, you know, crazier than other ones. But recently, mm-hmm. you know, I'm living a life where I don't have to sleep only four hours. So I've kind of made that a priority and like I'm slowing down a little bit not slowing down like I'm always working but sleeping enjoying life like enjoying that I have regulating yeah another human to live life with like I love my boyfriend dearly and one of our favorite things to do is just like watch the office for an hour over Mm -hmm. dinner that's really exciting to me you know and so yeah I love just cooking yeah and then you know watching something like that exactly yeah it's so, great yeah. uh and the last few weeks i guess two weeks have been pretty bad sleep-wise for me mm-hmm. i guess the one traveling. thing i'll say is yeah traveling just makes it so tough mm-hmm. i got like four hours of sleep uh mm-hmm. coming from vidcon to here so i will say that i agree life comes in waves mm-hmm. but whatever your dream is don't let yourself develop a chronic injury hmm. so that's that's just like something from my own yeah. life experience and people I know, which is like whatever dream it is, it's not worth it because yeah. like that will limit the next dream. Right. And yeah, your health has to be priority number one. Totally. I guess that's something that I learned after no sleeping. <laughs> and now, realize- like honestly, sometimes <laughs> there will be weeks where I will legitimately just sleep nine hours a night for really for seven days in a row, mm. and I'll just be like. I think it's literally me catching up from college still. <laughs> <laughs> Your body's like, you yeah. still have debt to pay off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I will extract we, a full eight hours for every one of those nights. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, now now it's almost like waking up to my alarm is now the problem. Yeah. So. so how are you making YouTube a full-time thing now? What's your business model? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough that I'm in the kind of technology creativity realm where Mm -hmm. I get to partner with companies that I truly believe in in, and they're companies that actually have budget, which is really nice. I think in my experience and my YouTuber friends and just hearing what other people have to say is that's, that's not the case for a lot of industries. If you... I'll just go to quilting again. Like if you're in the quilting industry and you love quilts, there's not a lot of money in that. Not a whole lot of influencer marketing dollars in the quilt game. Exactly. And I think so is the same for like my boyfriend, John. He's a pro skater. And traditionally the skate industry, like there's not a ton of money in it. You know, it's funny when I was a teenager, because I'm also a skateboarder. I was like, pro skateboarding industry must have so much money. And then I grew up. Yeah, and I grew up but, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. These companies are scrappy. Exactly. They have Super nothing. scrappy. <laughs> if you're a pro skater, you're not like your check every month isn't thousands of dollars, you yeah. know? Um, and so there's just specific industries that I think fluctuate with, you know, how much money. But basically, long story short, luckily I'm obsessed with technology mm-hmm. and creativity. And there's a lot of companies right now that want to empower creativity, which is really cool. So I get to partner with really cool brands, whether it's like Adobe, Intel, Squarespace, you know, classic Squarespace. They sponsor everything. Sponsor my <laughs> podcast, Squarespace. Um, and so that's, I would say, like my main tier is just mm-hmm. partnering with brands. And I think uh, my audience is very aware that like that's 
kind of how I do things and that these companies are empowering me to do what I love. And usually a lot of times they're providing experiences to me that I wouldn't have otherwise. I think that's like my favorite type of brand deal yeah. is, you know, when AT&T comes along, it's like, hey, we want you to do the red carpet at Vulture Festival. You get to interview Neil Patrick Harris. I'm like, oh, oh my God, yes, yeah. like dream come true. Um, and so that's the other side of it is it really allows me opportunities that I really wouldn't have otherwise. So, mm -hmm. um, I think that's the main tier, but then, uh, you know, with building your business, it's always important to diversify Absolutely. and stuff like that. So I think my, there's of course affiliate links and, uh, merch and stuff like that, but you've been on that merch. Yeah. Team. I have a shirt for you. I have a, that creative life shirt for you. Yes. Yes. Um, but merch thing is more of like a cool way to like, yes, you make a little bit of money off of it. But I think it's, it's a connection. It's thing. more of a connection thing. It's more yep. like building into your brand, like more like connecting directly to your fans. Cause yeah. um, the deeper you go into merch and clothes, the more you'll understand that there really isn't a lot of there money. There isn't. It's, it's, it's like very difficult. Like if you're not Jake or Logan Paul, you're not making a lot of money on merch. <laughs> In so. our Slack, there's like a joke about the Buy That Merch song to oh the point gosh. where I recorded a soulful acoustic rendition of Buy That Merch. <laughs> I need to hear that. I'm not done with the whole thing yet, but I did like one verse of it. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I don't remember, I was working with one company, I was like, I think it was like $7. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I just have this compulsion to actually give up my margin yeah. on merch because I keep wanting to make the prices lower. I'm yeah. like, can we just like give all of our merch profits to charity? Exactly. Or can we, um, and I, I really want to do this and I think this is a great idea for anyone doing merch. Hmm. I want to put just little surprises in hmm. with any order. So like you That's order cool. a shirt, you're going to get like a post or two or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. It's just it's like, like delight a, your audience as much as possible exactly. with your merch. Yeah, and I think it is that direct, because um, like the people who I, because I love YouTube, I, I'm a consumer of YouTube. Yeah. So the people that I like really, really support, that's always something that I feel like I can do that is that extra mile for the creator. Like, yeah, maybe they're not making a ton of money, but it's like, yo, I'm ripping your merch. Like that's that, you know, extra step. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I favor also, um, like working with brands is, it's a way that it supports the channel and allows me to do what I'm doing, but it doesn't ask my audience like for out of pocket yep. stuff. So it's like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this thing mm -hmm. in Premiere or teach you how to be a filmmaker, whatever it is. And all you have to do is like, hey, listen to what this company has to say for a minute in my own words because I actually use them yeah. and I'm an advocate for it, which is sick. So you're probably gonna get some benefit from that too. But after I'm done talking about this for a minute, we get to like learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. So it's just a way that I feel like it's not it, it's not a big cost to the audience. I think it's great, yeah. yeah. And I don't know about yours, my ads are all at the end of the video. So at least for the Ooh, first month, that's, yeah, there's, not, uh, mine aren't that. <laughs> there's no AdSense on the videos for the mm. first month. So if well. you get it within the first 30 days, you're not even gonna see an ad. You could, mm. you could watch my entire video and leave Interesting. You want. But cool. I just, I, I try to make sure that my reads are compelling. Yeah. So, yeah. and the companies aren't complaining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, it's also to understand that every creator does it differently mm -hmm. and maybe has to do it differently and 
also as a consumer if they're not wasting your time and if they're not really asking you as a viewer to go above and beyond that you know like yeah if you just have to sit there for a few seconds like that's a really cool way to support your free favorite creator yeah absolutely so, yeah yeah i think whatever you can do to serve your audience yeah. and make things better for them and, and delight them and surprise them at every turn yeah. while still building your business and making a living for yourself like take the opportunity yeah exactly. that's why I, I don't do patreon for that reason mm -hmm. yeah i have a patreon that was like made three years ago but i just yeah. like i put a link on my patreon page it's just here's a charity that i like so that's cool give them yeah. money instead of me I, yeah i think it's like if it's the patreon thing i feel like it has to be an actual product that or, or something that you are getting every month for some reason mm -hmm. i just i cannot do the whole like like behind the scenes thing it's like hey pay this much money and you get maybe like a minute extra of a clip that I posted mm -hmm. or like the whole, oh, you get it a day before it, but I'm like, I can wait a day, you know? Yeah. So I think there are a lot of people that actually do a really good job with Patreon, but those are the people that, it's an actual like business model where people yep. are stoked for that tier. Yeah. And they're like, I'm actually getting a lot of value for this, so heck yeah, I'm gonna pay $5 mm -hmm. a month. So, or, or those, um, like, do you, do you follow the Nerdwriter channel? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, his videos are so good, but they take so much work, right? It's insane, yeah. And so stuff like that for the, the people that it takes almost like a month to edit a video together. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, if you're such a you know big fan of that and you support their work, then like, heck yeah, I'll you know pay $2 a month because it does take so much work, so. I think it's important to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you and I are kind of both in this state of mind where we feel there should be like, if, if people are gonna pay as in Patreon, there should be something they get. Yeah. But I think there's a position of privilege there in that you and I are both in industries in our content that lend themselves well to influence and that mm -hmm. lend themselves well to actually making money through brand yeah. deals. So I don't wanna say like, oh, that model is invalid exactly. because there are definitely people out there mm -hmm. who use it and that's that's what saves them yeah. that's what enables them to make art for a living yeah. and people and are willing to do it exactly and like for some like a practical example of how to use patreon for someone who is in that you know direct position to where okay that whole influencer marketing thing isn't much of a thing but one of my friends who is an artist and who digitally draws and mm -hmm. stuff so beautiful work but she uses patreon to release new photoshop brushes every month so that's cool yeah okay. she's she's creating brand new original tools that she creates directly mm -hmm. for her audience where her audience then gets to take her tools and also create with them so yeah that's like a really cool example of how i think a lot of people in the traditional art scene too or just digital art in general illustration graphic design patreon's a really good tool to offer other tools to people yeah. that you create because um, th that's like so much value you know and they're like supporting how, an artist uh, peter mckinnon does mm -hmm. the lutz that he yeah. sells you know yeah i think that's really cool if you're an artist like enable more artists yeah and that can actually be a good way to expand your business and exactly. make more money speaking of the whole like finding ways to get I don't know if weasel your way yeah. in is the right term <laughs> but um the first person i ever backed on patreon I did it because his $50 per month tier was an audio consultation. And I did think my audio could be improved on my videos. So that was part of the reason that I paid for it. But I was also like, that's a way to get on Skype one-to-one -one with yeah. one of my favorite creators. 
I'm gonna just do it and see if like that goes anywhere. So I did it and the first, like one of the first things we talked about on Skype is, yeah, I kind of have that tier as just like a way to find people who are serious. Wow. Like I'll help you with audio, but I just kind of use it as a way to meet people as wow. like a way to kind of triage. And I was like, hmm, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So I met a really cool YouTuber back when I had maybe 500 subscribers wow. and he had a hundred K and then we just became friends. Can and you say his name? Yeah. His name is Luke. He has a channel called Youngtown. Okay, cool. He's like one of those video game YouTubers. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You never know. I, I think going back to what we were also saying about the importance of relationship building these mystical YouTube creatures that you watch every week <laughs> actually are real people. Yep. And there's so many things that like, for me, Twitter is such a, uh, like I'm always on it and I'm always checking my mentions. And mm -hmm. if it's either like a nice compliment or you hit me at the right time with like a right hook of something, you know, it might not be the right timing, but oh, if it is the right timing, then I find so many opportunities there and so many ways to connect with my fans that then become friends. Yeah. And it's so like that chasm is not as big as you think. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to be super behind the scenes, but I think it's going to be useful for people who want to make connections with people they look up to. Mm -hmm. I want to know what you thought of my email to you. <laughs> Because I didn't hit you up on Twitter. I think you like, knew yeah. who I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew who you were. Okay. So that's what made it an easier. Because like, yeah. when I saw your name, I was like, oh, that's the dude who I met at that trampoline park that one time who does productivity That's videos. right. Okay. So honestly, I think that did help, though, meeting you in person. Okay. So you had met me in person yeah. once before. Yeah. Because we... What conference was that? Is that like that a was YouTube at conference? ClamorCon. ClamorCon. That was yeah, uh, yes. Palm Springs, California. Yes. But to give people context because they don't know the story, I was coming to New York mm -hmm. to do the audiobook for my book, and I was like, Sarah lives in New York. And kind of one of my things is I, I never think in terms of business. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, oh, I want to be on her podcast. It's more like, she's cool. I'm going to be friends mm -hmm. with her. And then the business reason comes afterwards. And yeah. often the business reason is like an incentive for me to go hang out with somebody. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, what's the best way to reach out? So to everyone listening to this, I sent you essentially a cold email. Mm -hmm. There was no tweet or anything. I wasn't like yeah. commenting on your videos. It was just like, hey, Sarah, I like your content. I know we yeah. met like for five minutes one time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was trying to get my backflip down. So I was in a very right. focused mode. You it's did like, seem really focused. I was like, yeah. Who's this guy? Oh, I've watched you. Hey, what's up? Okay, let's get my back up. <laughs> I remember talking more with John yeah. and we were trying to do some weird parkour thing. I'm sorry about that if I came <laughs> off cold, but I was like so focused on my backflip. Yep. You got it though. I did. You were pretty excited. I did. So I sent you a cold email mm -hmm. and it was basically just like, I'm coming to New York. It would be awesome to hang out. Mm -hmm. And if you want, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And then I also just dropped like, if you need a guest on your podcast, mm -hmm. So I want you to like break it down your reaction to each part. Like how, mm -hmm. how did you think of each like ask and was, were any of them like a turn off or any of them like, that's the reason I want to say yes. Yeah. Usually with those, it's like, I'm always down with hanging, but it's an immediate yes. If there's like mutual benefit, Okay. <laughs> that sounds like so cold. Yeah. Um, but like, one, I'm always down to like get coffee or get lunch with someone who is kind of on 
like similar goals, interests, I yeah. can tell that it's going to be a beneficial conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's a bonus when it's like, oh, we can create stuff together. We yeah. can do a collab podcast. Like that's beneficial for us both, you know? And honestly, we're probably learning more about each other sitting down for two hours doing a podcast than we would over like munching on sandwiches or something, yeah. you know? So it's also a cool way. It's like podcasting is a great networking tool, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's the biggest thing in terms of collaboration that I personally look for is if there's that like creation part of it. Like, yeah. yes, I love coffee, but I can only have <laughs> a certain amount of coffee a day. So if I'm gonna spend these few hours like creating with someone, like that's really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And it's also the, the whole thing of like, you're not someone who just started your YouTube channel. Right. You have yeah. experience. You're someone who I've personally watched. Um, you know, I've, I've watched you. I know who you are. I know your content. It's amazing. It's great. So like, of course. And so I think that's the the biggest thing. So it's like you, you don't need to tweet me to build a relationship. Right. You know, um, Twitter is honestly helpful. It's how I keep up with my creator friends. Um, but I think with cold emailing, it is helpful to have some form of communication or familiarity beforehand okay because my email and i'm sure your email like your email is probably more of a mess than mine is it is just a complete mess mm -hmm. um so yeah and i think like meeting you at clamorcon and being like oh he's a real human i've watched him on youtube and like look he's here now uh that also helps like oh i know his name like yeah. now that productivity dude on youtube is associated with thomas you know right so um so yeah, I mean, how do you feel? But I will say that how I met my boyfriend was a cold email. Really? Yeah. Was it yeah. you emailing him or the way it around? It was him emailing me. Really? And okay. he, I had no, I don't know what skate YouTube is. I didn't know anyone yeah. who was in that sphere. Um, but he emailed me and he didn't say how many subscribers he had. He didn't say anything, but he was like, here's my YouTube channel. I think you're cool. We should collaborate. And I just clicked on his youtube channel like honestly sometimes it's like an automatic delete but i will check out people's youtube channel this is it where just, i worry it, it depends on what kind of day it is yeah. you know i couldn't if, remember if you remembered me or not or i wasn't sure oh, yeah, so yeah, then yeah. i was i yeah. was like deliberating do i put how many subscribers i have in the email or not if i do i look like a jerk <laughs> or fool myself a, if i yeah. don't maybe she just ignores the email this is like the, the dilemma I, I, you go through yeah i definitely <laughs> remember you're not giving yourself enough credit <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that is helpful to add why you're a credible person mm -hmm. in the email. But it's funny, John didn't at all. Okay. His was just a random thing that, you know, maybe it was fate. Um, but I clicked on his YouTube channel and my first reaction was, oh, he has a lot of subscribers. Right. Of course I'll collab with him. And then we met in real life. I'm like, oh, you're kind of cute. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny. Slide into those email DMs, guys. Yeah. It could be a cool collaboration or it could be your relationship. Yeah. And you hmm. guys have been together for a while now. At least a year Omicron, and a half. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The way that I knew of John is kind of weird. Uh, mm -hmm. There was like this YouTube stat site called VidStatsX. Oh. It's like Social Blade, but yeah. different, I guess. And it would just every day show you like, here's all the creators who are like 
right around your subscriber number. And one day I just, I was like, who's John Hill? He has the exact same amount of subscribers as I do. Huh. And then I was like, oh, this is like a really smiley skateboarder guy. Yeah. I like skateboarding, so I'm gonna start watching his stuff. That's awesome. And then That's I so saw cool. that he was coming to ClamorCon. I was yeah. like, nice. Yes. <laughs> ClamorCon was fun. It was I, fun. I enjoy ClamorCon. Did you go to the second year or not? I didn't. I didn't either. Um, but. This year was, not a weird year, but I kind of just like swore off conferences for this year. Mm, okay. Because I went to so many conferences last year and I did the handshaking and I did the networking and I did the speaking that I was like, you know what? I need to go underground and just make stuff because I'm kind of tired of talking about the same things. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of what this year is to me. It's just creating, creating, figuring out my flow, starting a new podcast. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get around on the circuit again someday. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. One of my mottos is like show up and have something to show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you do some showing up and then eventually you got to do what you're doing. Yeah. Go underground and make some stuff. Yeah. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're all both really young. You're younger yeah. than me. So there's always time yeah. to go to the next one. I'm 27. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I just turned 27. I Happy keep birthday. thinking I'm 28 because I was <laughs> Why at, older. I keep thinking. So I was at VidCon and there are two other creators in standard who are both yeah. 28. And then everyone else is like 23 or 22 yeah. or 18. So I oh. kept like grouping myself in with them and then thinking I was 28. Right. But no, I got to get until then. I know sometimes <laughs> when you come across the classic like 17 year old who has millions of subscribers on YouTube and like already has like mm -hmm. a Lamborghini, you're just like, oh man, I'm dealing with my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, have you seen, uh, do you know who Emma Chamberlain is? Mm -mm. So she's like kind of in the David Dobrik area. I don't even know who that is. You don't know who David Dobrik is? Huh. Oh man, never mind do? then. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's so do, many big YouTubers. Okay, do you know who Liza Koshy is? Yes, I love Liza's stuff. Okay, Absolutely. okay. So David Dobrik used to be Liza's boyfriend. Okay. Rest in peace, their relationship. That made me very sad that they broke up. <laughs> um, so they were like a power couple, YouTube couple, but mm -hmm. you know, they're very good at doing their own thing. So David does like four minute crazy vlogs that you never know, like basically what's scripted and what's real. Yeah. And it's just very quick, crazy comedy. Gotcha. And he uses his friends to do it a lot. So, um, yeah, so he basically has kind of a crew of people that are around there. They they have a ton of subscribers, but this chick, Emma Chamberlain, kind of came on the spot less than a year ago and went from zero to now over 2 million subscribers. She gets wow. every single video now gets over a million views with like 190,000 likes. Oh my god! The engagement is off the charts. And she's just like a 17-year-old like funny relatable chick i guess mm. i i don't know there's like not much to it but she's funny is it like liza kind of content kind of okay. yeah kind of but hers are even more basic like hmm. liza i feel like she sit down she sits down comes up with a concept and maybe comes up with jokes right emma is kind of just like shooting the shit type thing okay um and it's really interesting to watch these creators come up and get this crazy engagement that you never think is going to happen again yeah there cannot be another liza there cannot be but it's happening 
So I guess all that rambling means that there's always room, guys. There's no matter always what you're room. doing, there's yep. always room. Don't be discouraged by a saturation of a platform. Mm -hmm. Maybe that means it's harder, but there the is audience always is room. always growing too, right? Exactly. And the thing that I always say, because everyone's like, "Oh, YouTube is harder because the the, the content quality bar is higher," mm -hmm. and it is. But the thing about new creators and new audience coming onto the scene every single day is you get new niches mm -hmm. that could have never existed in yeah. the past. There's like a pen podcast that has like 200 episodes and has sponsors. It's about pens. God. Like before the internet existed, that would have never existed. No. It's like one nerdy guy yeah. who collects pens and has maybe oh like one gosh. pen pal or something. That's that's kind of cool, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what uh, freaking what's-his-face says, Tim Ferriss. I mean, Tim yeah. always talks about whenever, like just go narrow, go narrow. Absolutely. Go yeah. narrow, as narrow as you can, and that's usually when you're gonna find your thousand true fans. Yep. And once you have that, you're kind of unstoppable. The best example I can think of now is this guy, Patrick. Uh, he's part of Standard, and he has a channel called Tier Zoo. I don't Tier know if you've heard Zoo. of it, but uh -huh. it is, zoology videos talking about animals mm. and you know biology things like that but through the lens of gaming and creating like fighting game style tier rankings so like what is the best bird like what's the s tier bird what's the a tier oh birds f tier birds i and mean i would say that everything narrow. is video game jokes yeah like he'll do footage of like a hawk grabbing a fish out of a lake and when it mm. happens like you get the overwatch kill sound and just like, it's it's so good, huh. but it's a niche that you would have never thought yeah. to do. And he just like, he refers to outside as a game and he refers to like evolution as like the devs making patches. Oh so it's, it's so, so there's always hard something. on the jokes, but it's great. Yeah. And people love it. Exactly. But there's like the primitive technology channel where he just like films himself building a hut out of mud and See, it's millions of views. What's so great about this is you're saying so many channels that I've never heard of. Yeah. And you probably think are mainstream, and I'm saying so many channels that I think are mainstream. <laughs> that just shows <laughs> you how massive YouTube is, how yeah. massive the internet is. And it's cool from like a just a consumer standpoint too, that like you don't have to pay twenty dollars a month on these, you know, Netflixes and Hulu's of the world to like find something you like. I don't even know what mainstream means anymore. Yeah. Like I yeah. just learned about the weekend like a couple months ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you like know who the only Drake reason, is? I've heard of Drake. <laughs> the only reason I know about The Weeknd is because someone on a Post Malone album review was like, he's just white The Weeknd. And I'm like, who's who's The Weeknd? That's funny. Which is Which I actually false. Like, do not agree with that. That is so false. I've now Post listened, Malone, I've listened to everything that both of them have put out and I'm like, no, there's a lot of difference. Post there. Malone is so diverse yep. in his style and the types of songs he does. The Weeknd sounds the same on every single song. Yeah, he kind of does. You know? I don't dislike it. I think it's, he's really good, <sighs> but... I tell yep. this to everyone. I went to the same high school as Post Malone. Oh, did you? Yeah, he was oh. the, he was the grade below me. Okay. I need to step up my life, dude. He's yeah. like so on that other level and he's younger than me. He is killing it. Yeah. But, yeah, but you never I always like to bring up the example of Steve Carell. Hmm. His career didn't launch until he was after 40. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How old was he in the office? Over 40. Really? Yeah. I'm watching The Office for the third time through right now. <laughs> I've done the same thing with Parks and Rec. Yeah, we yeah. We still haven't finished The Office, but we need oh, to. Oh, see, I'm reversed. I haven't finished mm. Parks and Rec yet. For some reason, it just did not grab me the way The Office did. 
season one's awkward and not that great okay season two onward is is i think better than the office okay the reason that we started watching Oof, parks and rec that's a it's 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 a hefty that's statement a big claim it's a hefty <laughs> statement uh and this is going to start the fight in the comments this is where we're going to get all the engagement dun, dun, dun. office versus yeah. parks and rec fights um we were watching the office it's like a group of four friends mm-hmm. so it's hard to get everyone together and one night like one person didn't show up so i'm like whatever i'll just put parks and rec on it's yeah like a, a second string thing and then got hooked the office is something that j- it needs to be your thing it needs to be what you watch on the <laughs> toilet it needs to be the thing that you watch on the couch Just you know your thing. <laughs> it, yeah yeah i don't even know how long we've been going at this point we have been going two hours and 28 minutes i think that's a decent spot to wrap yeah. up my shows Maybe. are usually an hour i don't cool. know how long yours yeah, are usually mine are like 50 minutes to an hour so okay yeah. I think we both got a lot of good stuff. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think this stuff about, you know, analyzing my little cold email was useful. Yeah, So hopefully. For people who don't yeah. maybe have a giant YouTube channel or I guess what I've said on my podcast before mm-hmm. is if you're going to cold email, you need to have some sort of like business reason mm-hmm. why the other person would be like, yes, let's work together. I do have one more thing to say about that. Okay. For a lot of people give the advice of like offer up your time. Like, you know, just tell them that you'll do whatever you can do but i would go a step beyond and that's like that's work for that person to figure out how to you know use you so the best thing that you can do is look at someone's content look at someone's life and see what they need done and tell them specifically in the email hey sarah this is my experience link your youtube channel or whatever it doesn't have to have a lot of views if you're good at what you're doing i've noticed that you need clips for your youtube for your podcasts like why don't you have clips yet let me spend five hours a week and i'll make three clips from your podcast and i would just love a few minutes of your time every week in exchange for that do you know how easy of a yes is, that is, is go make them yeah yeah and that would that would be the step beyond is actually and that's what some people have done with memes Mm -hmm. like they'll just send me hilarious memes of my content and (laughs) instantly it's like follow like retweet this is amazing you know Mm -hmm. so that i mean that's yeah 100 percent. that would be the perfect move yeah you're absolutely right it's like i appreciate the offer of time but I don't have the time to direct that. Mm-hmm. So if you can show me that you already know what to do yeah. and you're gonna solve a pain point I have, yeah. You're, yeah, exactly. You're so in. Exactly. So guys, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I'll look at this camera over here. Uh, <laughs> if you wanna find the show notes for this episode, oh my gosh, I don't know what episode number it is. So I need to go over to Notion and actually figure out which one it is. Luckily I do have it figured out here. The Sarah Dietschy interview is 222, so CIG podcast. 22 is my number. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. And all my it, basketball jerseys. It was meant to be. Yep. CIGpodcast.com slash 222 for anything we mentioned in this episode. And you know what else you should do is you should go subscribe to Sarah's podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, do you do yours on YouTube? I do. Cool. I do. So they're on YouTube, but get them on your podcast app. Yeah. It's like the best place to get them. Exactly. Uh, last but not least, you can find our resources page with lots of cool gear and things to make your educational experience a better one over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So thank you for listening to this weird, hyper ambitious <laughs> crossover episode Ooh, where the camera's turned off. I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, we'll see how editing Sarah is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Sarah's editing it, so we'll see how well she does. 
Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.